Did you know 82% of all new real estate business comes from referrals? Your reputation in real estate is everything. This week, we have a very special guest. After nearly 30 years in NASCAR, Mike Mooney is stepping away from the racetrack and into the boardroom, sharing the lessons he's learned in his latest book, Reputation Shift. Here today to talk to our listeners about maximizing your reputation by shifting your attitude, decisions, and behavior, you can't miss this inspiring interview. This is the Reality Podcast, and I'm your host, Gary Scott. With more than 35 years of experience in the real estate industry, working in 10 major markets from New Jersey to South Carolina, and now as the president of the largest real estate company in the Carolinas, Allen Tate Realtors, I know what it takes to be successful in this business. This is real life in real time, sharing real experiences of industry professionals to help both new and seasoned agents achieve their goals and realize their maximum potential. Allen Tate Realtors is a proud partner of Howard Hanna Real Estate Services, the largest independent family-owned real estate company in the country. With more than 13,000 sales associates and staff members across the combined companies, you'll have the opportunity to hear from the absolute best in the business. Join me each episode as we unpack the reality behind what it takes to make it in this great business. Welcome to Reality Podcast. I am your host, Gary Scott, and I am excited today to have a special guest, Mike Mooney. One of the things uh, that we focus on here at Reality Podcast is delivering content that can provide three to five really specific takeaways to improve our lives, both personally and professionally. And one of the things that we've uh, learned in our uh, podcast experience over the last couple of months is that uh, industry transcends and that the real estate industry is certainly unique. Uh, but then we ask the question, is it really unique? Uh, our guest today comes with 30 years experience in NASCAR. We might say to ourselves, NASCAR could not be more different than a real estate professional. But as Mike Mooney and I discuss, the similarities are eerie at times. Uh, about five, For the past five years, Mike has uh, moved from NASCAR on a day-to-day basis uh, to become a professional speaker, a consultant, and uh, he shares stories about the NASCAR experience that are appropriate and relevant in all of our businesses. And I just believe that it is so relevant to the real estate industry, particularly now, Mike, as the real estate industry returns to normal. So uh, join me, uh, audience, today in welcoming a good friend uh, and uh, and a great uh, inspiration, I think, for all of us, uh, Mike Mooney. Mike, good morning. Good morning, Gary. Thank you so much for having me on, my friend. I've been looking forward to the conversation. Good. Well, for our listeners, you may be listening in the morning, you may be listening in the evening, you may be listening in the afternoon. We are recording this in the morning. But uh, so, Mike, uh, let's uh, share with the audience a little bit about your background. I did, but 30 years in NASCAR. And then maybe what's really interesting is what motivated you, inspired you Mm -hmm. to move into this next chapter of your life. Yeah. So uh, why don't you share a little bit? I, I'd be happy to. And, and uh, again, thank you for the opportunity to come in and share some stories and, and try to uh, 
really you know help take this audience to another level, right? And and that that's the goal for today. Now, my background, and thank you so much for the the, the great intro. And yeah, I'd spent uh, about thirty years in professional motorsports, NASCAR primarily, but also IndyCar and Formula One. And uh, during that time, Gary, I had the opportunity to work around championship drivers and, and teams. I mean, the, the Daryl Waltrips and Jeff Gordons and Jimmy Johnsons and, and dozens more. And um, man, I, you know, I watched them. And even at my time at Roush Fenway Racing, you know, I mean, that was a, a, a championship uh, level organization as well. And, and I'd watch these drivers and teams constantly working and building, fixing and restoring and innovating their race cars. Right, the, these high performance vehicles to make sure that they were going to be in competition, in contention, in position to win on race day, and it was just this ongoing process. And and it and it hit me, Gary, that you know there's another type of high performance vehicle out there that needs similar innovation and and restoration and a little bit of fixing and tweaking here and there, right? And and that's you and me. That that that's people, right? I, I really believe that we were all beautifully and intentionally designed to be high-performance vehicles in this life, in the world in which we get to live and experience. The challenge is, is that we often spend so much time in our head and our helmets, right? Listening to those voices that say we're too slow, we're too old, we're too banged up. We don't deserve to be in contention to win, right? Maybe we're not as aerodynamic as we used to be. I, you know, all these things get wrapped up in our heads and it keeps us from truly being the high-performance vehicles that we were designed to be. And that that was really when you asked, like, what's my motivation? Why did I decide to to leave a career after 30 years in, in a place where I, I knew, you know, all, we're all, you know, all the bodies were buried, you know, I had the relational equity, but I, I really believe that this was a message and there were lessons and stories that we're, we're going to talk about today, though, that I believe are going to help your audience really embrace that high performance vehicle within each of us. You know, it's interesting, Mike, uh, when you and I first got together, one of the introductions was your book. And yeah. so I wanted to share with the audience the title of your book, because I think that will take us into the first uh, bit of our conversation. It's called Reputation Shift, Lessons from Pit Road to the Boardroom. Now, that could be lessons from pit road to an open house. Correct. Lessons from pit road to negotiating at a contract. Uh, lessons from pit road uh, to our listener out there, Mike, who's thinking about being a real estate professional. Lessons from pit road to I'm a brand new sales professional. Now, we've also got listeners who have been doing it 20, 25, 30 years, and they've got a high performance vehicle. They have it. And, and they have ridden. Uh, to uh, many, many wins in their career. Yes. But maybe they've got to reinvent. Mm -hmm. Maybe they've got to restore. I love those words. So, yeah. uh, you know, as you think about the journey from pit road mm -hmm. to the boardroom, from pit road to the real estate industry, share with our audience maybe three, two or three things that really, that from your perspective, and one mm -hmm. of the great things about our conversations is, You've got a you've got an affinity for our industry. Oh, and, and without a doubt. You, you, yeah, you've yeah. enjoyed watching our industry from your lens. Absolutely. And you know, we're going to talk a little bit later about reputation, which is incredible, and brand. So, yeah. you know, when you think about the uh, lessons from pit road to our industry, 
share with our audience a couple of those things that really resonate to you. Without a doubt. And to, to your point about the affinity for the industry, you know, it's when I have the opportunity to be around people who are high performers, people who are looking to continuously sharpen their saw, looking for ways to stay, um, you know, ahead and out front. Uh, those are all, those are all, you know, qualities of racers. You know, when you talked earlier about, you know, the, the eerie parallels between the world of real estate and, and, and racing, there they are. You know, th these are people that are out there every day. And it's not necessarily competing against other people to say, I've got to be better than you. It's really the race is, is with yourself. That's the competition. I need to be better tomorrow than I am today. So how am I going to do that? So if you think about reputation, oh my gosh, yeah, that was, that was uh, really... Uh, the key part of of my my pivot uh, was that book, and it was this idea, Gary, that um, we, how often do we look at reputation through the lens of of a reactive approach? Right when you when you hear the word management, that just feels like oh, okay, I just gotta mm, I gotta manage this thing, you know, and that's typically how we look at reputation is is a, is a reactive management approach. What I'm encouraging people to embrace when it comes to reputation and recognizing that your reputation is one of your greatest, greatest competitive advantages out there in the marketplace. What if you could design that reputation? Wow. Now that's a thought, right? What if it was really about reputation design where we could be actually be proactive? We're proactively building every day. So one way to start doing that, Gary, and the importance to this, quite honestly, if you think about in general business circles, 65% of all new business comes through referrals, all right? That's 100% based on your reputation. In your industry, in the real estate industry, that number jumps to 82%. 82% of all new business is coming through referrals, which is based on your reputation. So first and foremost, if you're thinking about that, to think about your values, right? That's really the fundamentals of where your reputation is going to come from. If you want to design, proactively build a reputation that's going to help you drive new business, start with your values. Key into what are the, what are the top three and four that really matter to you? And here's, here's the trick. It's not just about listing them. How many times do you know, we see values written on a wall or we see them on a, on a, a key card to get through you know, different rooms, right? The idea here, though, is to say, if one of my top values is trust, then I have to be trustworthy, right? If if one of one of my um, key values is um, transparency, well, then I need to be transparent. If it's hardworking, then I need to be hardworking. You see, it, it's it's not enough to say these are the values, but more importantly, what am I doing to put it into play today? That's the key. That's how you start building and designing a reputation because it's authentic to you. That's the key. It's got to be authentic to you. You're not trying to manipulate people or a situation. We've seen enough of these people out there that you see them in one room, they act one way. You see them in another room of people, they act another way. That It's like they're chameleons, right? So that that's one thing that you could do right off the bat. Check in with your values. So I think as a, a homework for our listener would be to take the opportunity, take some time yeah. and write down our values. And it's very interesting, Mike, I had a chance to be on a panel last week. And one of the things that I shared is exactly what you just said. And that is there's one thing to have a mission statement of an organization mm -hmm. or of a real estate professional, a vision statement, uh, my core values, but you have to live it. You know, words are, are empty without saying to your point, whether it's trust, transparency, hard work, response time, mm -hmm. uh, listen, uh, you know, listen, uh, be a great listener. You know, 
am I living the things that I say I am? So that would be proactive. And, and I think the other thing that's really, really interesting, and I think this is a statistic for our listeners that they've heard over and over again, but I, but I want to share it again. You said 82%, uh, you know, the uh, referral business goes 65% in industry at large, 82% to our industry. You know, when, NA, when NAR does their annual survey, Mike, they ask two questions to buyers and sellers. Right after, within 30 days after their transaction, would you use your realtor again? Hmm. And the answer to that is 79 to 82% yes. Nice. Here is the truth, though. Yeah. Only 17 to 19 actually do on their next transaction. Interesting. The question is, something happens Mm -hmm. between that success. Now, whether that's connectivity, whether that's enhancing the relationship, whether that's making sure that I don't lose touch. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the other interesting stat, Mike, is when I got in the business in the 80s, the average homeowner bought uh, a new home every four to seven years. Today, it's every nine to 12 years. And so when I do a transaction today, I've got to stay connected in a meaningful value-driven uh, way mm-hmm. to make sure that I keep that customer in what I would say the e- my ecosystem as a real estate professional. And yeah. You know, to our listeners out there, you know, I really think that's really important. You know, if 82 percent is referral, you know, what are you doing intentionally, yes. strategically? I, I, because because I, I, I think in the absence of being intentional, you're going to be one of that agent that only gets 19 percent return. Right? Well, 100 percent, 100 percent. I mean, the, the the idea of being intentional uh, it really that's what transcends to a relationship versus it being passive and it being a transaction. And and I know and I know that most the majority of realtors out there want there to be a relationship and, and not feel like a transaction. But I think it would be hard pressed to say, especially in the pace that your industry has felt and and the speed and acceleration that your realtors have been experiencing over the last 18 to 24 months where, you know what, maybe it did feel like you were checking the box and just trying to move things through because you had to get to the next, the next close and the next deal and the next and the next. The key is how can you in that moment be present and intentional to make sure that that customer feels like they are the only one in the world and the only one that matters. And one, one way to do that is to focus on that word trust. And building trust, you know, Gary, that's something you and I've talked a lot about and, and the power of trust. And when you think about trust, people often just think about, oh, yeah, yeah, I trust the person. But if you really want to dig into trust, it's comprised of two things. One is character, right? I, I, I trust the person. I know their intentions. I know their motives. I trust that person. The other is competence. I trust that they can get the job done. And when people are looking for for professionals to help them through a situation, whether it's accounting, whether it's uh, you know recruiting, or whether it's buying a house or selling a house, they want to know that they've got a person they can both trust their character and their competence. So if you're looking for, again, another way to continue to build connectivity, focus on character and competence. That goes back to the, uh, the ongoing concept that we discuss all the time, and that's the uh, sharpening the saw. Yeah. You know, making sure one of our investments as real estate professionals mm-hmm. is invest in ourselves. You know, don't be afraid to write a check for self-improvement. You know, interesting looking at, uh, you know, a, a document you shared with me. These are some phrases that uh, resonate. Continuous improvement, peak performance, mindset, 
and we've already discussed reputation. Yeah. Uh, you know, one of the things, Mike, when we had the, the good fortune of spending some time with you a month or so ago was you did a great job sharing with our team the only three things in life that we control. Right. And and I do want to just share and piggyback off a comment you just made, which was the real estate industry rate of craziness, mm -hmm. robustness in 20 and 21 were were out of control in a good way. Yeah. In a good way transactionally. Sure. Maybe not in as good a way fundamentals, blocking, tackling. You know, I do believe uh, that some people lost a sense of the things that are necessary because the market created such energy. Mm -hmm. And I think today, as you and I sit here and discuss reputation and brand and mindset and continuous improvement, that there has to be a recoiling. I don't know if that's a NASCAR word, but certainly <laughs> a, a, a reset. Yeah, re re recalibration. Re recalibration. Recalibration is what we'd say. Yep. So uh, uh, clearly I'm not a NASCAR guy because <laughs> I was, was going to reset. Uh, so you spent some good time with a few members of our team mm -hmm. not long ago talking about the three things that we control and the real estate transactions got so many moving parts. Oh yeah, you got yeah. a buyer, you got a seller, you got a couple real estate professionals, you got a mortgage, mm -hmm. you got title, you got a home inspection, you have HOA, you've got uh, restrictions. What are the share with the listeners today? There's three things that we control each and every day when we get out of bed. Uh, share with our listeners what uh, those three. Uh, absolutely, absolutely. So, so if you think about it. In life in general, yes. And when you're working at the velocity uh, and, and that, that you all have been in or whenever there's pressure or stress or whatever it might be, you know, control is, a, is an interesting word that, that, that pops up. And if you think about it, there are really two piles of stuff. And I'll use the word stuff because it, it's still early. <laughs> but there are two piles of stuff in our lives, right? There's the stuff that we, that we can control. And then there's the pile of stuff we can't control. And, and Gary, where do you think that we generally spend more of our time, effort, energy, emotions, and resources focusing on which pile? The pile of things that we can control or the pile of things that we can't control? So, so I believe most people spend more time on the things they can't control. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and, and that, that's that's a that's okay because it's, it's human nature. I mean, we, we, we typically try to meddle and, and, and fix and control this things that we really ultimately can't control any of, right? So if we can recognize that and take a step back, the reality is that there really are only three things that we can control. And it's our attitude, our decisions, and our behavior. I'll, I'll say it again, right? Attitude, decisions, behavior. And if you start with the attitude, and this is why I believe mindset is so important, Gary, mindset is what defines us. Mindset is what, what, what creates the framework through which we're going to not only live, but how others are going to experience us, which is just as important. And if we're going to be high performance vehicles, we have to recognize that. So if we go in with this attitude, again, being intentional, Having an attitude that's going to be about solutions, that's going to be about transparent communication, it's going to be about customer care, whatever those things are in a positive set, then that's going to influence your decisions. Your decisions will then ultimately influence 
the behaviors that others experience. And that's really the only thing that we can control. Because if you think about it, it's, it's, it's almost like if, we're, if you've seen the movie The Matrix, right? And, and, and you, see, you know that scene where Neo's in slow motion trying to dodge bullets and he's bending over backwards in com- incredibly flexible ways, right? That's how we often feel we're going through life, where we're just reacting to the things that are coming at us. And it is absolutely draining to go through life that way. So if we could shift the thinking, shift our mindset to recognize the three keys of control, attitude, decisions, behavior, and recognize that it resides in each of us individually, it's going to alleviate a significant amount of weight off your shoulders every single day. I I guarantee that. I absolutely guarantee that. So that's uh, so, so let's, uh, let's peel that onion back just a little bit. Okay. We'll go a little uh, deeper. Go yeah, a little well, deeper. Let's go a little deeper because I, I think, you know, it's interesting, you know, we have a, we have the propensity to, uh, think about things from our, from our vantage point and mm-hmm. from where we came. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it's interesting. One of the comments that we share often around here, you know, control the controllables, right? And then influence those things that you can't control. Mm-hmm. You know, and an example yeah. that I give in our sales meetings, Mike, is if you're worried, if you spend a nanosecond on interest rates and, and, <laughs> and controlling something yeah. that we can't control, right. what right. we have to do, you just said it, we have to control our mindset about, okay, the interest rates have gone up from historically low two and a half to five and a half. Right. Okay, that's a fact mm-hmm. that I don't control. What I control is what I do with that. The, the, the narrative and the story, right, of, of how you then share that, and, and more importantly, that you don't that you don't. It's too easy to jump in to the pool with so many others that are like, oh, interest rates are up, things are slowing down, we're never going to get back to work. Okay, well, that's what some people believe. And then there's another pool and school of thought, Gary, where you are. Sorry, I didn't mean to jump in on that, but but that's no, no, perfect. That, that's where we're that's where we're going is. Is that no? That's just that's just that's just something that's happening right now. I can't control that. So how do I turn that into my narrative? How do I turn that into the reality that yeah, it might be a little higher today, but let's not forget what it was 10, 18 years, twenty years ago, right to where we are today. It's still in a very good range where people are still going to be buying, and there are, there are buyers out there, there are sellers out there right now. And I think that gets back to something else too, Gary, what we talked about was this idea of knee-jerk reactions, right? And this idea of stimulus and response and how often we we get caught up in the living through the lens of preconception, right? Which is, which is a, a dangerous thing where, especially as you're getting a little bit more seasoned in an industry, okay? So like whether you're an individual or, you know, you, you have a team or maybe you have a partnership, we have to recognize that preconceptions can be, um, oh gosh, they could be a trap, quite honestly. So if there were a way that we could actually expand that space between stimulus and response, because the reality is we can't control the stimulus, but we sure as heck are responsible for and can control our response. That's a game changer right there. That's taking your team, your people, yourself, and actually thinking more proactively and thinking about how can I be more about a solution versus, oh, I know how this movie's going to play out. I've seen this 20 times before. Don't even bother going down that road, right? But that's that stimulus and response. So do you want to talk a little bit, want me to talk a little bit about that, that space and how we can expand that, Gary? I don't know where you yeah. want to go on that. Well, no, I, I, so, I think, so I think that's great. I, I think it's, it's interesting 
Uh, you and I shared uh, kind of pre-recording as we talked about attitude, decisions, and behavior. Mm-hmm. You know, this equation that I have used, and it's E plus R equals O, right? There's an event. Yep. Plus, the response is the only piece of that equation we control. Yeah. And that will equal the outcome. Mm-hmm. The event doesn't create the outcome. The That's response right. that you and I have creates the outcome. It, it, I think yeah. uh, to piggyback off your preconceived, it's, you know, this fundamental belief that we have, which is let's spend our time on how to, mm-hmm. not why not. But let's I, spend I, I like our that. energy on how to accomplish it. Yeah. Not all the reasons that you said it earlier, that human nature might take us down a path. But if if it's energizing now, when we say that, Mike, yeah. you can't always do what you want to do. You can't always do what you want to do. But if you spend your energy laser focused on that and then decide you can't, it's still a rewarding experience. You and I have been in meetings where somebody threw up an idea and boy, it was just, we can't because we can't be. And Mm -hmm. often Mm -hmm. the, we can't resonates from why? Because we always did it that way. Exactly right. And, you know, change is necessary today more than ever in our industry, our ability to uh, navigate some, some changes and the changes are good changes. As you said, we're selling a ton of houses. Uh, the supply and demand gap has, uh, you know, shrunk, but there's still more buyers than sellers. And so I think it's still a great time to be in our industry, but you have to provide a perspective. So let's spend a minute, uh, if you can, between this stimulus and response. Yeah. Are there any, are there any, uh, I'm not going to call them, uh, str- I'll call them strategies yeah. that our listeners can say, okay, in that moment when I've got a stimulus, <laughs> And, and maybe I got to hit the pause button. Right. You know, how do I how do I go from stimulus to response that takes me to a better place tomorrow than it might have taken me yesterday? A- absolutely. And I've got an easy, easy, easy two step play for this. OK. And, and this is something, Gary, you know, I, I use this every day. <laughs> I do. And so what, what I'm sharing with you isn't something that it's just it sounds great in um, in theory. I, I do apply it. So here, here's what I do. If I get some feedback of something that didn't didn't come back the way I wanted it to come back. Right. I had an idea. I had a vision of what I wanted to happen here. And I get the feedback. And instead of that instinctive, uh, I knew it or uh, see, what did I think I could do this? I'll, I'll take a step back and I'll go. I'll say to myself, here's the first step. Hmm. That's interesting. Okay, so by saying that is I haven't assigned a right or wrong or good or bad, any emotion, any judgment. I just say it's interesting. And then the second thing I say to myself is, I wonder how that can play out. So now I'm looking at it through a lens of curiosity and not preconception. So so right off the bat, I'm I'm stopping myself from jumping into my my habitual pattern behavior and knee-jerk reaction of what I think is going to happen or should happen. And I look at it through a lens of, well, that's interesting. It's not right or wrong, not good or bad. And then I wonder how that can work out. Now, what's really cool about this is that I've actually used this with the people who have given me that feedback, Gary. Like I've actually brought them into that conversation. I'll say out loud, hmm, that's interesting. Well, I wonder how we can work that out. Now, see, I just changed the pronouns a little bit to say, I wonder how we can have that work out. 
how that can play out. Now I'm, I'm inviting them into a, into a collaboration, into a conversation that can provide a solution that's going to be somewhere in the middle of maybe what I wanted and what they wanted. But it's a simple way for us to kind of break that knee-jerk reaction. You know, I think you, you shared a word earlier uh, a few minutes ago that I, I think over the past couple of weeks, Mike, I've probably heard it five, seven times in various places. And it, 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 I would say if I didn't have the word of 2022 already established before 2022 started, right. uh, this might be my word for the fourth quarter of 2022. And that's curiosity. Mm. And when we think about uh, high performers, peak performers, we think about continuous improvement. I just think our ability to be more curious, ask more thoughtful questions, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. reduce our preconceived positions. You use the term our habitual place where we have been and make sure that we uh, welcome. And I mean, welcome and embrace and engage opposing viewpoints. Yes. And when, when we think about, real estate professionals and we think about the uh, opportunities afforded them to make a significant impact in the lives of people. You know, it's uh, it's interesting. This is another thing that I think about so often, Mike, in our business is the significant role we play in people's lives. Uh, yeah. That event, buying and selling, that event, relocating, that event, right-sizing, uh, from a home I've been in 35 years, that event is so significant. And, you know, one of our whys as an organization is positively impact the lives of others. Right. And, right. and that's, you know, that is a meaningful thing. So spend a couple minutes on curiosity, because mm -hmm. I, I think that's a that is probably going to be Gary Scott's word for 2023 is just become more curious yeah. about the things happening around me. Yeah. So and, and it's such a powerful word, isn't it? I mean, when and unfortunately, it's a word that that has been beaten out of us over the years, uh, because when we start out as children, we're so curious. Right. I mean, we ask more. There's, I don't know what the actual statistic is, but, you know, a child asks more questions in one day than the adult typically does in a year, you know, and and. Um, I'm probably paraphrasing that, so don't, don't take me verbatim. You can look it up on Google. But the point is, as we get older, and for various reasons, um, and a lot of it is because of, of social pressure, we stop asking questions because of fear of looking like we don't know what we're doing or don't know enough, or maybe we're in a position where we're a lead, and we don't want people to think that we don't know what's going on. Right, we don't ask questions, and and it, it's it's such a, um, a a tragedy that we don't do it because that that keeps us in in that preconception mode where we're just going to operate from the world that we see through our lens instead of asking a question that might start with this. I'm really curious to know more about that. It's not saying you don't know anything about. It. I'm just curious to know more about that. Can you tell me more? Or if you're having a conversation with a broker on the other side of the table, that there's a sticking point that is that there is a that they are going to die on this hill if they don't get it. So I'm really curious, why why is that point so vital to this deal coming together? Because you just might find out something that you could give that would alleviate that, right? That it's just a simple question, and and starting with that phrase, "I'm curious," really helps open up that line of of dialogue and conversation versus from someone feeling like they're being interrogated, saying, you know. Help me understand, gosh, there's nothing worse than, than being across the table and someone saying, yeah, well, help me understand why that matters. You know, it just feels very 
finger pointing, you know? So uh, I'm curious to know why. Um, that That's powerful. That's powerful. So good questions will give better answer, answers. I heard a statement a while ago, and I love it. It says that um, statements start wars and questions start conversations, right? So you're in the business of conversations. You're in the business of, of providing a customer experience during one of the top three most stressful events in a person's life, right? Having a child, changing jobs, and moving are the top three, according to the insurance industry. So you're helping them with one of the top three. And I've been in a situation where I had all three happening at once. And thank goodness I had a real estate agent who helped me through a lot of stressful situations because they were curious. They did operate from a, a place of integrity and they knew my why. They knew my why, why this was important to me. Well, I think, uh, you know, it's interesting. We talk about curiosity versus understanding. You know, I think the recommendation I would make uh, to our listeners, you know, particularly in that middle of that heated negotiation is, you know, I, I think there's a significant difference, Mike, between questioning something mm -hmm. and asking questions to understand it. That's a great that's a great point. Questioning versus asking and, questions. Yes. Yeah. 100%. And, and I know that yep. in, in leadership, you know, one of the things, Mike, that, that I share with our team is, you know, I'm not going to question your decision. I'm going to support your decision. Now, I may ask you questions so I understand what led you to that decision. Absolutely. Yeah. Which really, yeah. you said it better. I'm curious to know, right? Yeah. I think the other thing that we have been laser focused on, uh, Mike, is words matter. Absolutely. You, know, you talked earlier about the narrative. Mm -hmm. You know, when we have the microphone, We've got to be particularly careful today yes. uh, because we only have so many opportunities in this relationship space mm -hmm. to gain that trust. Right. You talked about it. Beautiful. The character and competence equals. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I just would say to our listener, as you look at the three to five things, uh, I'm pretty confident that if uh, you listen to this once or twice, there's seven Great takeaway <laughs> about, well, about some statistics, yeah. about yeah. our marketplace, yeah. about ourselves. Yeah. It's about really looking at ourselves. And the most challenging thing I think to do is to look at ourselves with a, I'll call it a critical lens to say, I have to do these three to five things better tomorrow than I did today. Yeah. And Mike has given us you know, kind of a recipe. And, and I do want to, uh, give you a shout out because uh, you and I had an experience a couple of years ago as we were trying to do some business together hmm. and you absolutely practiced your two-step stimulus to response. I appreciate it. And that. it could, without getting into detail to our, to our audience, <laughs> you know, Mike could have gone a very different way. And, and he said, he asked me a question. I shared with him a perspective. Mm -hmm. And I remember now he said, that's interesting. And <laughs> I know what I think I know what he really meant, but he said that's interesting. <laughs> so Mike, what you did is you disar you, you you disarmed me. Hmm. You made me feel comfortable having a challenging conversation. And what happened is our friendship and our relationship strengthened. Uh, absolutely. 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 Because what did we control? You controlled your attitude. Yep your decisions mm -hmm. and your behavior to a point that I was really looking forward to this uh, opportunity to, for you to share with our listeners 
some of your experiences. Well, we're uh, we're coming to the close, Mike. Yeah. Uh, we got a couple more minutes to just wrap it up. And, and can I just uh, say something real quick, Gary, yeah, uh, to, to that point? I appreciate you bringing that up because th- this is something that, that's important. It gets back to that word of being intentional, that each of us have the opportunity every day to bring an energy and an attention to every conversation and every interaction that we have. It's our choice. So when you get back to that conversation we had, I sat back and I said, okay, this could be a really tough conversation. Or this could be a really good conversation. I choose for it to be a good conversation. So how can I step into this and be present and bring an energy that is going to be one that's going to bring Gary into a conversation that I know that if it, it could be delicate because it could go a different way. And I, I could say something or act in a way that could have taken us in a different direction. But it was about being intentional and bringing an energy to say, no, I choose for this to be a positive experience. And here's how I'm going to go about doing that. So I just want people to recognize, too, that that we have a choice in how we approach the situations, every situation with a client, with ourselves, with a spouse, with our child, colleague. We have that choice and opportunity, more importantly. So, Mike, uh, you know, I'm going to send our listener away before I get your final thought. Think about negotiation of a difficult transaction Hmm. and think about what Mike just said. And think about taking a step back and thinking about it very strategically. I used the term earlier, pause button. You know, uh, one with pretty good self-awareness of one's strengths and weaknesses. I know that I have to to give my pause button a tune-up every quarter, no different than my car. (laughs) I just, I need, because, you know, of the pace in which we do what we do. And the pause button is one of the greatest uh, assets of our high-performance vehicle. Sometimes the race car driver, you shared this, their best moment is not when they're driving. Mm. It, it's not when they're driving. It's when they have that moment in pit row to recalibrate, right, That's for it. those few seconds. That's so, Mike, uh, this has been incredible. You have well, thank uh, you. shared some some great insights. Uh, so, uh just think about your 30 years in NASCAR. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure you've got the thrill of victory and the agony of defeat. <laughs> I love that phrase from Wide World of Sports. Yes, uh, I remember it. Right? I, you I can say it. it. You I see do. the stare, you can say it. Yep. Uh, I yep. think you got uh, I think you got uh, Foreman knocking somebody out is the thrill of victory and or Ali and the guy yep. skiing is the, the agony. And in your field in NASCAR, no different than real estate is, you had both. So we have a couple more questions for Mike, but first don't forget to tune in next week when I interview the number one agent in the triangle from North Carolina, Van Fletcher. Starting real estate just before the housing crisis of 2008, Van shares his insights on what separates a good agent from a great one, overcoming buyer objections, and how real estate agents can best position themselves for the rapidly changing market today. That's next week. And now we'll get back to Mike. I'm going to ask you a final two questions. Okay. Greatest lesson you learned from the agony of defeat and the greatest Mm -hmm. lesson you learned in that moment where you were able to experience the thrill of victory. Wow. 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 Okay. Um, Greatest lesson that I learned in defeat was 
looking at it through the lens of what am I supposed to learn from this? And and, and it, I know it sounds cliche, right? You hear those phrases, I don't lose, I only learn, you know, things like that. We've all seen the memes out there on Instagram and TikTok, you know, but I believe that there's something to that because I believe that that things happen for us, not to us. We have experiences that refine us, not define us. And uh, that, that to me, if, if you can take a lesson out of the lowest point, it could actually change the trajectory of your life. So that would be, that would be uh, the lesson there. The lesson from the winning uh, side of things is, is humility, right? Uh, humility. And then I also mentioned hard work, <laughs> you know, because it, you know, it, it is, it takes a team to reach the goal. Again, whether you're working, you know, with your own team or in a partnership, whatever that might be, um, it takes a team to get there if you set a goal as a leader. But the other part of it as a leader is to recognize the people who helped you get there. Okay. You may be the person, you may be the driver. There's a reason why in, in racing, you know, the driver gets out of the car with the checkered flag and victory lane and they're spraying them down with champagne. But what does the driver always do? Thanks to sponsors, thanks to their team. And this is, I want to thank the, the, the team back at the shop that, that built this car for me, you know? So humility and recognizing that there's a team there, but man, it takes hard work to make it, make it happen. Wow. Two powerful takeaways. And uh, I'll leave our audience with this. Uh, a big thanks to Mike Mooney for joining us. Thank you. Great man. takeaways. Uh, I would recommend you uh, look up his book, Reputation Shift, Lessons from Pit Road to the Boardroom. Hard copy I know works for Mike Mooney, but also uh, we can Kindle it, Audible it, and uh, just a real opportunity to think about these life lessons. And uh, I'll close with one of one of the things that I believe in, Mike, so uh, so passionately. And it, you started our first couple minutes with it, and you ended with it. And uh, great teams win championships. Yeah. Great sports teams win championships. Great organizations. Uh, great real estate teams. And you know, when I say great teams, if I'm an individual agent out there, I've got a team behind me of support and technology and marketing and leadership and and all of the things. And if any of us thinks that we can take on this battle alone and think that we're so good that we don't need that, uh, I would argue your successes will be limited and your long-term sustainable high performance happens when you embrace that great teams uh, win championships uh, much more frequently than individuals. So Mike Mooney, Thank you so much for joining us. Thank awesome, you, awesome job. I always appreciate the conversation and your leadership, what you're doing within the real estate industry, how you're leading and guiding Alan Tate with that brand, keeping it relevant, uh, keeping it uh, creative uh, and, and inspired. So thank you for all you're doing for your team, your people, and those in the lives around you, buddy. Thank you. Great. Have a good day, guys. Thanks so much for listening. Mm -hmm.